Welcome to Conversations on Life, Work, and Love, hosted by coaches Bonnie Blackstone and Ramey Gibbs. Our focus is to give voices to Gen X women and help them achieve a well-lived life. Good afternoon, Ramey. How are you? Doing good, Bonnie. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Doing not so, too bad. <laughs> so it's kind of exciting. We've gone a few weeks without a guest and we have one today. I know. I know. I'm feeling a little rusty. So bear I with know. us here. Yeah. <laughs> I swear yeah, to God, you go on vacation or you take a little hiatus and you got to like start from scratch. <laughs> every every time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We both, we did back-to-back vacations. So we're like, okay, what are we doing? Mm. Um so anyway, I'm really excited about this guest. She is, well, I'll talk about her a little bit and give you her bio, but I do want to say that I had the opportunity to go to her retreat just uh, this past November with one of my girlfriends, and it was amazing, and uh, discovered that she wrote a book. I didn't actually know that before I went. So once I started reading it, I was like, hey, we need to get this chick on our show. And so <laughs> here we are, and I'm going to go ahead and get her introduced. Okay. So- Shannon Jamail, she is the founder and creator of the Mind and Body Complete Family of Companies, which includes her retreat center, the Retreat Ranch, which I had the pleasure of going to. It's located just outside of Austin in the hill country of Texas. She is a best-selling author, uh, and the name of her book is Surrender, which we will talk about. She does have her own podcast as well. She's a retreat leader, a therapist turned mentor. She's a yoga teacher trainer. And this is amusing to me, but she says that she is a tequila connoisseur, but not really, though she does enjoy sipping on a good pour. And I I believe her, but I know she lives pretty healthy, too, because she's got some fun challenges like I do with autoimmune disorders. Um, Shannon has a passion and a mission to elevate women in mind and body in order to connect, grow, and thrive through her online courses, programs, and retreats. She lives on a ranch with her family in the hill country of Texas. And to find out more, you'll we'll actually put this in the show notes, but she is at mindbodycomplete.com. So Shannon, welcome to the show. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you. Thank you. I still get a little cringy when I hear people read my bio when I'm right there. It's like, all that stuff is really about me. I know. You're like, I really did this? Woo. Okay. (laughs) Stop. Oh, thank you. Bring up some more, right? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, so Shannon, just to, I think we told you a little bit, but uh, our audience is heavily women. It's heavily the Gen X crowd. And so we kind of want to talk from that perspective. I know you're part of our Gen X party as well. And so we do talk a lot about trauma because that seems to affect a lot of us, especially at this age that's starting to creep up and show up in our lives in places where it perhaps didn't before. And so I know a little bit about your story, though I know there's lots of holes in it. And so I'd like to, if you don't mind, kind of fill us in how your upbringing was and how it led you to doing all the things you do now and with self-discovery, writing the book and and having the retreat. Oh, goodness. Okay. Uh, First, I want to say I love that you pointed out that especially our generation, our past traumas are starting to surface in ways that I don't even know people can fully grasp or realize until almost to the point where they're like, why am I feeling like this? What is happening? Whether it's physically, emotionally, all the above. 
Uh, and I, I have some theories on it. It has to do with the polyvagal theory as to why we're able to like suppress it better when we're younger. And then as we get older, our immune system is just more taxed and there's just more things going on and we're carrying more experience and it's harder to keep all of that stuff suppressed. And so I think you're right. Typically it's around this this age bracket that we find ourselves in that the, yeah. the traumas are surfacing and they're usually surfacing in physical manifestations. Um, and that's the yeah, only yeah. way that we get our attention these days. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Pay attention to me, body. Oh yes, my yes. God. Totally. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I was talking about it with a woman this morning, which is why it's so funny that it's coming up in this conversation. Uh, you know, I'm incorporating my horses more and we're doing more equine work and equine therapy work and just some interesting things. And it, we were just talking about how this age group in particular, uh, can get so much value out of the equine work because of what we just said. Anyway, so, and I think we're, we've also been conditioned, brought up to um, just kind of like the boomers. It's a leftover piece of us. And that's uh, part of the boomers is that we um, just, you know, it's your thing to bear, right? You just get through life and um, deal with it and don't worry about it. And then this is how it presents as autoimmune disorders for a lot of us or yeah. cancer or heart attacks or whatever. So yeah, I mean, it's time Mm -hmm. for us to have a voice and really look at ourselves. And that's part of what we're all about. So I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And just even just sitting with it, you know, I'm a big believer in just um, sitting with our trauma and that's super hard for us to do. If you pay attention to any human being these days, there there's never a moment of stillness. Uh, We either have our phone constantly or we're busy. We make sure that we're filled with noise so that we don't have to sit with that because that's when it comes up. That's when the right. stuff comes up. Right. right. Conveniently um, distracted. Yes. Yeah. Um, so my history, to answer your question, uh, my history, you know, like a lot of people, I had an interesting or challenging childhood. There was sexual abuse and physical abuse, uh, lots of violence, uh, lots and lots of um, disruption. I lived all over the place um, from family member to family member. And there was even a period of time where I lived on the streets as a teenager, dropped out of high school. Thought I could do it all on my own, y'all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> every 14-year-old thinks, you know, at that time of their life. And so so to say that there was lots and lots of trauma would be probably somewhat of an understatement. And I'm not a big fan of measuring trauma. So I'm sure there's um, people who may or may not agree based on their experience. But uh, for me, there was a lot of trauma going yeah. through my childhood. Sure. And I don't think I fully was grasping of that in my I spent a lot of my later teens and early 20s just being resentful and bitter like why sure. didn't I have what they have or why didn't I have those types of parents or why didn't I have that type of upbringing or whatever right. maybe the case so I spent a lot of time um, being very bitter and resentful and uh and then you know I decided to get my shit together and um continue down my educational path and part of the reason I went down the path I did, which was to get a, my master's in behavioral science, was to fix myself, y'all. Because, uh, yeah. you know, I had all this trauma and all this history, and it created lots and lots of anxiety, uh, you know, and there's also some genetic components in there as well. Um, but but I had all this stuff, and I thought, I'm going to go to school and learn how to fix myself. And mm-hmm. You know, I learned something. I learned several things, but one of the biggest things that I learned was um, you don't fix mental health illnesses. First of all, no one's broken, and, and that's just right. such a 
misnomer. You're right. perfectly mm-hmm. fine just how you are. You just, there might be some distortions in our viewpoints based upon our, our history or, or um, trauma or whatever may be the case. And so I learned that that was one of the first things. And then the other thing I learned was that a mental health illnesses, we'll call them that, you know, there's so many different labels and some people are maybe not fully diagnosable, but they've definitely got some um, disruptions, you know, so, so we'll just put them all unfortunately under one big umbrella, which I know is not fair, but that's what we'll do for sake of this conversation. Sure. And there's no really fixing it. And I think that can be really saddening for some people to hear, but there is the ability to live joyfully with it, whatever it is, whether it's, um, you know, depression, um, whether it's anxiety, whether it's some of the, what they would consider more severe bipolar and schizophrenia and, and all the different spectrums, but primarily most of what our generation deals with is anxiety and or depression or a combination of the two. A lot of that, right? Yeah. And you can live joyfully with it. It's not a matter of curing it though. It's a matter of putting together your toolkit, which looks very different from probably your neighbor's toolkit or your best friend's toolkit or your sister's or whoever's toolkit. It's your toolkit so that you can live joyfully with it. Um, and then recognize when the symptoms or the neural pathways are trying to talk to you and, and slide you down the wrong place that doesn't feel great. So, so anyway, so yeah, trauma, childhood, went through my own education, dug in my own stuff while I was going through my education is when I dug into my own things and learned how to sit with it and learned how to accept it. Yep. <laughs> Super yep. important. Yeah. Um, and, and to be at peace with it. And so I find myself today living 99% of the time joyfully with my issues because they're always there. I mean, I'm, I have my my history doesn't go away. Um, my anxiety doesn't even necessarily go away. I just uh, joyfully live with it. And um, then there's that 1% because, you know, there are days where I'm like, son of a yeah. <laughs> day, you know, like yeah. I just, and that day is when I just go hang out with my horses or that's my toolkit, right? It's in my toolkit that I'm going to sure. have that off day. And here's what I do on those off days. Um, but yeah, so that was a super long answer. No, it was, it was perfect. Um, I want to question you a little bit, Shannon, about, um, your, uh, coming to terms with your issues as you call them and learning to find joy despite the anxiety, despite dysfunction, despite, you know, the challenging upbringing. Um, was that something that you had to learn on your own? Or how did you how did you come to that um, reconciliation that you can find joy in these dark times? Uh, I would say it's probably a combination of seeking. So during my master's program, and especially during uh, internship time of my clinical practice, uh, it's strongly recommended, which I'm really glad that they do this that that you go get therapy yourself before you then practice with other people, (laughs) mainly so you don't bring your stuff into their session because then that's a complete disservice to your patient. And so I started going down that path and I went through a psychiatrist. I went through a second psychiatrist. I went through several therapists and not because I didn't like or mesh with all of them. Although I do think that's important. I don't think people realize that 
if you go to therapy and it doesn't jive with you, don't just give up. It really could be a personality thing because the, the therapist also is a human who brings their own things into session, including personality. And so don't give up on the, the one um, person, you know, try different venues, different styles, different modalities. Anyway, I did it so I could explore what spoke most to where I was carrying my trauma and my issues. Um, and so I tried so many different things and through those different modalities and, and explorations is when I really realized for me, what works best for me, um, and I find it works best for quite a few people is to sit with it. I know I've said that before, but it's so yeah. important is mm -hmm. to sit with my issue one at a time. And even that one at a time issue is not a one and done, um, but sit with it and then fully accept it and not wish for it to be different. And I think that's where people get tripped up on, which by the way, is normal. Uh, it's like, I can't, you know, for me, in order to fully accept and be at peace with it, I can't sit there and go, I wish I had had a different mom, or I wish I had had a different upbringing, or I wish my uncle hadn't done that to me, or I would, you know, to, to, what that means when we do that is that means that we're not fully accepting that it happened so that we can move through it, you know, right. I'm not at all saying it's easy, y'all. That's not no, what this conversation is. You're but preaching is how, to the choir, girl. <laughs> right? And so that's, yeah. that's how I was able to move through. And then truly, I know this is hard to hear for a lot of people, but truly to be grateful, actually, for mm -hmm. my past and to be grateful for, that those terrible things happened, which that's a really challenging place to get to. But I feel like when you do, if you, if you are, some people maybe get partial and that's okay too, whatever. And some people it's just an awareness and that's works for you too. So please know that you don't have to get all the way where I am to be like, okay, in life, you know, there's baby steps along the way that can help you. But, but I feel that for me getting to that space is what now I can, I can show up joyfully in my life 99% of the time. Um, and, and just, not live with the ugliness of the heaviness or the regret or the bitterness or the lack of forgiveness and the pain that a lot of us are carrying because we cannot accept that it happened. Acceptance also does include forgiveness, but the forgiveness, which I know is really tough too, but whether it's yeah. for self or someone else, the forgiveness, I think people get tripped up on doesn't mean that that invites them back in. It doesn't mean that you're inviting that situation, those people or that pain or you know, back in and that, then we go all into boundaries and a whole other thing there. But mm. as far as what I did is, is the full sitting with accepting. Uh, and then, and then the last step would be appreciation that it happened because that's, that's what makes me this crazy, unique horse, chicken, chick out on the van. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> all right, since we're already talking about forgiveness, so we, I was thinking about bringing that up later, but let's talk about it now. Um, I remember from the retreat that this was kind of a, a big thing and going from acceptance to forgiveness. And so talk to us a little bit more about what forgiveness means to you and how you help people accept what happened to them and then forgive the person and why they should forgive them. Yeah. Um, I do want to clarify. I don't know if I I directly help anyone. I've come, I feel like I'm like the, the seed planter. I'm just going to plant a little seed for you to noodle. And then something else is going to water that seed. And then later on something, and maybe it's, it's maybe you are watering it, but, but, um, but what I do is I feel like I introduce just a thought or a concept or an idea. And that is that we, 
I believe that it is super important for our health, for our health, to forgive past pains, traumas, and um, you know wrongs, whatever that that falls into for you. And that doesn't mean, though, and I have to be super clear about this. That doesn't mean that it's like, okay, I forgive you for hurting me. Now I'm I'm inviting you into my life. That has no way. Like, right. I'm all about sending love from a distance and forgiving someone. And it doesn't mean it doesn't even mean I have to tell them that. Actually, that's not even part of the conversation or the equation, unless you want that person in your life. And that's a whole nother thing. Um, but for me, my forgiveness looked like even just saying the words, like I forgive you for hurting me Mm -hmm. and I'm doing it so that I can be free, not for them. It has nothing actually to do with them. It has everything to do with me because it's that old adage. If I'm hanging on to that past pain, it's like me swallowing poison, hoping that they'll die. Right. Really genuinely, the only person we are hurting when we don't forgive is ourself. A hundred percent, a hundred, a hundred percent. It does nothing to that other person. We are not even scratching the, you know, on the issue even. Um, And so forgiveness looks like, and it looks different for everyone. But for me, it looks like saying it, sitting with it, saying it, sitting with it until I feel that. It's almost like you feel that release. It doesn't always happen in the first time. It may take a year. It may take a month. It may take, it, for some, it could be instant. You'll know. It's like sitting, and let me describe it if you want a little woo-woo. For me, it looked like truly sitting with and imagining and reliving whatever it was that was hurting me and in saying to that situation, to that person in that time frame, I forgive you for doing that. And maybe I didn't feel it at first mm-hmm. and I had to do it again and I had yeah. to do it again until there's that day when you do it and you actually do feel like you feel for lack of a better word, it's almost like a disconnect from the pain. Like yeah. the pain's no longer there. Now I just see it for what it is. Right. And then at that point, you've fully accepted it, you've forgiven it. And then possibly you might be able to work towards being grateful for it just because it 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 turned you into the amazing empathetic human being that you are, because trauma does help us become empathetic, amazing individuals if we allow it. <laughs> true. That yeah, is I know. very true. It's very true. Bonnie and I have talked about this before too, the whole forgiveness path, because we both have our issues. Um, but letting go, what it kind of does is gives you your control back and it, it severs the tie to that other person having control over your thoughts, your emotions, your feelings, right? So it's, it's freedom. Yeah. How empowering is that? I kind of, I, I remember at one point, uh, one of my therapists or somebody, had created this visual for me saying that no matter where this person is that hurt me anywhere in the world, by holding on to that pain and not forgiving, it's like this tiny little chain is connected to me and that person still. And who wants that? that? You know, I don't want this tiny little chain to be connected to that person. And so, yeah, it is. It's severing that it's taking my power back. It's taking my power over how I'm feeling, because that's the other thing is that if we hold on to that, we're allowing that anger, which anger is not healthy, y'all. It's just not. Um, 
But we allowing that anger and that bitterness and that resentfulness to be a part of the lens that we then use for every other relationship in our life. And that's giving that power to that person that hurt us. And so no thanks. Um, again, this is super easy to, to talk about. I totally recognize that it's not super easy to work through. To put in practice, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course not. Of course not. And it's baby steps for some people. For some people, maybe it's just even looking at what happened. Okay, I did that. I'm good. I got to move on. You know, and you do that a few times before you can even just like truly sit with it. So baby steps. It's It just depends on what someone's ready for. And forcing someone or shaming someone, and that's not what I'm hoping I'm doing. Shaming someone for not forgiving doesn't work either. Um, it's For me, I call this an invitation to explore what it would look like to be free of that. Sure. Absolutely. So talk to us more about how you came to where you are now. I know yoga had played a huge piece of this. So talk to us a little bit about your yoga practice. We know that it's huge self-care necessity and that it really helps people with trauma and PTSD and all these things. So, yeah. Um, So before I went into my master's program, I remember I was looking for some natural ways to combat my anxiety and because, of course, the first thing a lot of uh, folks want to do is prescribe medication. And I am so not against medication. I actually think there's a time and place for it because sometimes you can't do the work you need to do unless you neutralize some of those very, very um, drastic emotions and, and pain. And just sometimes medication is a very, very powerful tool. But I wanted to try some natural ways first or even in conjunction with Uh, Because I think that medication alone is not the right answer. There should be tools that you're also working on along with medication if that is in your, um, if that's something that you're exploring. So I went through uh, yoga. The first, y'all, let me tell you, the first yoga class I ever took was on a VHS tape. Okay. That is, that is where the the generation. (laughs) Gen X. Yep. These kids don't even know what it is, right? I know. I had had my son and I was partially trying to help with anxiety, partially trying to get back in shape. You know, my son's now 28 or 29, something like that. Anyway, and so I remember getting this VHS tape and doing yoga at home. And I remember originally kind of doing it like, let me see if I can get back into shape. And also the stupid Savasana, who wants to do that? I don't want to lay there and breathe. Like that's just silly, right? What a waste of time. I have dishes to do. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I did the workout. I'm good. And so, and then one of my therapists had said, Shannon, you really need to, you know, just, just be open-minded about the breath work and about the meditation part of yoga too. And I was like, hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so, and so anyway, so that's, it just started that exploration and I realized how freaking powerful our brains are. And if we could harness just a little bit of that power, um, and, and, and influence how we feel through these practices, it is unbelievable y'all. So yeah, you know, and then once I really started to feel the benefits is when I took my own yoga teacher training, which was the first one I did was like 15 years ago. And it just took me deeper into understanding yoga and the science behind it. And there's definitely a a yoga history and a philosophy. And that's super important um, for some people. That wasn't as important for me. I I wasn't so much... I wasn't so much wanting to understand the birth of yoga, although I, again, I'm not 
downplaying that at all. It's super important. I was really into the science. That's just how my brain was working is like, how does this work scientifically? Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. I mean, the research is amazing on what meditation does structurally to our brain, not oh, yeah. just the woo-woo part, but like it actually changes the cells in our mm-hmm. brain when we meditate. That's huge, you guys. And so, and breath work, I mean, I cannot under... I cannot under talk about breath work. It's just, you know, the, the power and the breath and the use of that. And especially for stress and anxiety um, and even depression and sadness is super huge. And so I found that tool to be one of my, I mean, listen, every single day without fail, even if it's five minutes, I'm doing breath work, meditation and yoga stretches minimum. Um, I usually do about a 15 minute whole thing. That's part of uh, my daily practice. But if, if for some reason I'm feeling super fast and you're not, I'm not walking out of my bedroom without at least five minutes, but that's the other thing. It doesn't have to be this 45 minutes sitting on the top of a mountain meditating. It really doesn't. It's, it's a daily practice that works for you. Um, and that could be five minutes. It could be 10, 15, 25, it could be whatever, but you'll find, I feel like anyway, you'll find your jam and it doesn't have to be the same as mine. Mine looks different than yours, but breath work, meditation, and some yoga postures, I think can be really powerful as a self, self-care tool. Yeah. And just starting is the biggest thing, right? Just start. Don't be afraid. Just start. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I tell people, if you just sit or lay down, whatever, sit, lay down, and just pay attention to your breath, you're doing yoga. Right. Don't even adjust it. Don't try to do some fancy yoga breath, breath of fire, weird stuff that these yogis do. Just... <laughs> Pay attention to it, right? I'm, yeah. I'm one of the weird yogis, by the way, but you know what I mean? Like just paying attention to your breath is actually doing yoga. And so, yeah, just start wherever you are, start. Awareness is is more than half of, of yoga. Yeah, Rainy okay. and I have talked about that before. And we've talked to um, between other guests and clients that some of the holdup with doing yoga and meditation, um, even with myself with meditation is that notion that you have to, sit on the mountaintop and, you know, deprive yourself of food, um, you know, or do crazy uh, yoga poses. That's really more about fitness than breathing. And so it's like, no, thanks. Um, Yeah. So I love that you simplify it and give that validation and permission to just, just breathe, breathe in that, breathe in that moment. And that is yoga. That is meditation. So I think that's very validating to a lot of people. Yeah. I, my favorite thing to tell people aside from that, just paying attention to your breath is just take a mindful minute, one, one minute, one mindful minute, which is what is all, what are you seeing? What are you smelling? What are you tasting? What are you feeling? And what are you hearing just for one minute? Uh If you did that, just a, a, two, three times a day. That's three minutes. That's only three minutes out of your entire day. That alone can kick in your parasympathetic system of your body and just kind of go a little tiny little, you know, little Uh tiny, tiny little reset. Well, those tiny little resets add up. So yeah, you don't have to sit for 45 minutes and stare at a flame, a flickering flame, or, you know, you don't have to clear your mind, which by the way, I have to say it just because I feel like it's, um, such a misconception that that meditation is about clearing your mind. Okay, y'all, our brains are not meant to not have thought. So it, I feel like when that's said, and it's said often, unfortunately, it it 
makes a lot of people that's trying to do this feel like a failure. Like, well, I I suck at, at meditation. I must fail. I'm failing at this because my brain is like monkey brain when I try to meditate. Right. And that is not what you're what meditation is for. If you, if you are really going to try to meditate, you know, sit in meditation, all it is is an awareness of your thoughts. That's it. It's an awareness of your thoughts and you could be guided or you could be quiet. You could count your breaths. You could do all this stuff, but I don't care what you're doing, what kind of meditation you're doing. Your thoughts are going to come. Your thoughts are going to come. I mean, maybe if you do it eight hours a day for eight years straight, you might get to that Nirvana stage that people talk about that, you know, I don't know, but, but really our brains are meant to think and have thoughts. And so during meditation, whatever it looks like, meditation is just being aware of a thought. Oh, there's my grocery list. I see you. I don't need you. Thank you. Oh, that, that, you know, argument I got with my spouse. I see you. I don't need you. Oh, my butt is uncomfortable sitting here. I see you. I don't need, you know, it's just constant, right? It just keeps coming. No problem. That is meditating. It's just recognizing that the thoughts are there and then saying, I don't need you like a, like a leaf that blows by. Don't grab the leaf, just recognize it and let it keep going. Um, but yeah, no, no clearing the mind, no sitting on a mountain. Uh, you don't have to be in, in lotus position for 45 minutes. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I hear that. My hips would not be able to do that. <laughs> Feel the cramps starting now. Just yeah. thinking about it. <laughs> All right. So yoga has been so important in your life that you decided to build a retreat in the middle of nowhere Yep. with your entire family. Yep. So talk about that. What, what uh, made you want to do that? And what's the experience been like? Yeah. So after, During the pandemic, by the way, I need to throw that. Yes. Part. Isn't that <laughs> lovely? Um, I've been hosting retreats for 10 years ish, give or take one way or another. And I knew after probably my second year of hosting wellness retreats that I wanted my own place. I love traveling. I travel all over the place to do retreats. I don't travel as much anymore, but I used to travel all over the place to do retreats and I love it. But there's something to be said for, I have a very specific experience I want my guests to feel from the moment they arrive till they go home. And that's always, you know, it's got its challenges when you're using other people's spaces. Not the end of the world, but just got its challenges. So I knew I wanted to eventually build my own space. I just didn't know where. And my husband and I, we there's a whole thing as to how we ended up where we're at now. But um, but eventually we knew that that Texas is where we were going to be. And we had been visiting the Hill Country for years. And I remember when we stepped on this particular piece of property, which we couldn't see the property, by the way. When we bought the property, it was 46 acres of woods, like not one road, not nothing. We had to like drone footage to even see what the property looked like. But for whatever reason, I know this is going to sound woo-woo. When we drove on this property, mind you, this is the probably 30th property we looked at. And this was the third one that we were going to put under contract. Um, But when we walked on the property, I was like, oof, oof. I don't know what kind of voodoo shit has been done on this property, but this feels good. Like it, something... Something just feels really, really, really good on this land. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so then we we bought it and it, we built it from scratch, built every road, the septic system, wells, um, every structure. And by the way, to your point, we closed on it in September to 2019, did all our contracts for everything in January of 2020. And then, you know, March of 2020, the world went to hell in a handbasket. And so, 
Um, yeah. My husband and I both found ourselves unemployed because we both had public jobs. My job was to hold space for people all over the world in public places in gatherings. And his was even worse. I mean, he's a motivational speaker for sales and leadership. So he, he goes and does those like 5,000, 10,000 people events. And so we both were like, oh, we have no jobs. Um, and so we decided we were going to do a lot of the building ourselves. And I, you know what, again, this is one of those things where I genuinely think as, you know, we lost income for sure. There's all kinds of things that we had to change based on not having an income, but damn, was it not a cool experience to learn some things that I never thought we would ever learn and to do it ourselves. And there is huge value in getting your hands dirty um, and working in nature. And especially when the damn media circus that was going on in the world that still goes on let's be honest especially <laughs> right, during yeah. that time political covid all the all the things and we didn't have no idea to be honest with you we literally had no idea because all we were doing was chainsaw shoveling trenching digging building and it was amazing i think it really is what kept us healthy and sane during an inc incredibly insane time of the world um, was having to build the place out ourselves. Of course, we had to hire contractors and things for certain stuff that we just didn't know how to do. But let me tell you how much YouTube knows, okay? <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we built the ranch and it has been an incredible blessing. I have bled over that ranch. I've cried over that ranch. I've laughed. I've had every sort of thing um, over that ranch, but it has literally been our, our biggest blessing from a family standpoint. Intrinsically for me, we hope it's a blessing for every person who steps foot on the ranch. Um, and, and I do say this, so here's my prediction because I am getting over technology um, as we're here on technology, but I, I can see it in the future. I'm going to be the crazy, literally, I'm going to be the crazy chicken lady that you can't get a hold of unless you come visit me on the ranch. <laughs> It's pretty in my future. I feel it. Chickens, horses, and dogs, right? <laughs> uh, and, and goats and rabbits now. And okay. we're getting a pig and we're getting some other rescue animals. So we're you're seriously farming at this point. All right. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're probably going to move a little bit into some ag work um, along with our rescue work. So it'll, it'll be a combination of two, which by the way, can be very conflicting for people because there's rescue animals that will never be processed and will just be loved on and there are pets. And then there is going to be an agricultural part of our ranch um, that will be separated um, but that we will use to feed and sustain ourselves as a family, as well as um, guests who would like to um, have pork chops or a steak or whatever that came from sure. our ranch. That we know exactly what we put into that animal. Um, and, and we are going to be the kind of farmers we already know. I'm learning from one of my best friends out in East Texas, where we're going to love these animals and give them their best life and then be super grateful that they are providing nutrition for families, including our own. I love that. Mm, grass-fed and pasture-raised and all stuff. that just yeah I love it yeah. I love it that's yeah. an amazing actually it's, it's nature it's yes. nature um, yeah yes. that's yeah. awesome so tell us about your book so surrender had to be a passion project for you how long did it take you to write it years <laughs> I don't even you know I was trying to calculate when I finished the book like how long it took and I couldn't even I honestly couldn't tell you exactly how long it took because I would pick it up, put it down, pick it up, put it down. And for so many reasons, a lot of it had to do with shame and guilt, mainly because I didn't want other people to feel shame and guilt. And I wasn't trying to hurt anyone else based upon some experiences that I had had. 
Um, and that's why some of it got on the chopping block too, if I'm being honest, um, just because it would, would have been way too painful for someone else, um, certain people, parties uh, to, to leave it in there. Mm-hmm. So that was part of it. And, um, and, and just getting through the writing process. I don't think people, if you've never written any kind of book, especially anything that has personal uh, history in it, but really any kind of book and offering that you are taking from your creative spirit or your heart or your body, your soul, and putting it down for the world potentially to see one person, it doesn't matter whoever, it takes a lot from you. It takes a lot um, from you. You're putting you into it. And so it was super consuming of that in that way. And so I had to be very cautious about when I could t- put time into it so that it didn't affect the work I was doing at my retreats or at the time I was doing, um, I had a clinical practice. Like it just, I had to be very cautious about when I put time into the book. So it took a really long time, y'all. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm happy with where it is. It took probably three years before it really started catching fire and, and, and doing really well. Um, I have a whole podcast I did, but just in case anybody's listening, don't ever write a book because you want to make money. It ain't going to happen. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Um, I don't want to totally poo-poo it, but you're really writing a book for either to share your story, to connect with others, um, or if you're doing any kind of business thing, then maybe it's to be kind of like, uh, like you come to my retreat, you read the book, and then you maybe you want to do more work with me. Although I don't do that anymore, but at the time I, you know, would have done individual work or coaching or whatever. So there's those types of things that can do offshoots. But as far as the book itself being profitable, it's not at all. It's really just a connecting tool um, to connect my story, maybe with a piece of your story. And, and I feel like, and it's kind of what happens on my retreats is then it, we just don't feel so alone. And we know that, that there's lots of us out there that have these maybe difficult journeys and that we can be okay. Yeah. <laughs> we can be okay right. despite them. Yeah. Yep. There's, so there's two areas I really want to talk about in the book. Um, I'm going to read a little section and we talked about joy a little bit, but I have to tell you this one tiny little section has been so powerful for me that I've actually started using it in my self-care workshops that I host. So, I love hearing so that. yeah, so I'm just going to read this little part here. The more you align yourself in joy and activities, people and circumstances that bring you joy, the more aligned you are to receive and participate in more things that bring you joy. What we focus on expands. As you experience more joy and less fear, you'll find yourself experiencing more self-love and more love in the world around you. Also, this is very important. When we focus on self-love, acceptance, forgiveness, our relationships with people and the world around us changes. Everything becomes brighter, lighter, and softer. Dang, so that, was- that girl can write. She can. I know. Check her out. Who is Check the her lady? Out. Well, you know, when I hear a little snippet that that meant something to someone, I'm like, yay! And then you're like, um, I wrote that. I don't remember writing it, but I wrote it. I well, you know, it's uh, okay. Funny you say that. I actually will listen to my own book, which is me talking. So how? Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's some ego shit going on on there, but <laughs> I listen to my own book at least every other year. And it's just a reminder too to myself because you know sometimes teachers are their biggest enemies. You know we we have to like take our own lessons and go oh yeah yeah. So so anyway, so I listen to my own book at least every other year. Sometimes I I feel like lately it's been once a year, but um yeah, I, you guys, I highly recommend super kind of cheesy, but I highly recommend 
when you're in a good headspace, you have to do this in a good headspace, is you write down a list of things that bring you joy. And I mean, from the smallest things to the biggest things, and it could be whatever, it could be a a delicious cup of coffee at this special coffee shop. It could be, you know, getting all the laundry done and put away. It could be masturbating. I don't care, whatever it is, all the things that bring you joy from little to big and everything in between. And so when you're feeling like you can feel yourself sliding into a funk, or you're going to have that 1% day, or you're going to have whatever, you can maybe refer to this list. Um, And if you're wanting to feel more and more joy, you keep referring to that list and adding to the list and adding to the list. Maybe it's a note on your phone. We're so digital these days. You just create this note on your phone and you keep adding to it and paying attention to it because I'm telling you what we focus on grows. And so the more we can look at things that bring us joy and add to our list and the more we pay attention to that list, there'll be more to add to the list and the list will get bigger and bigger and you'll never run out of things. And then, you know, when you just, for some reason, your brain gets a fart, you can go, oh, you know what? I'm going to do this right now for five minutes. I'm going to do this thing on my, I know this brings me joy. I can't feel it right now because I'm a little pissed off or pissy or funky or gray or whatever your word is, but I'm going to do this one thing right here on my list for five minutes. Um, and I'm telling you those, those joyful moments can create more joyful moments. And it's true. And the list is really kind of amazing. Cause you, if you're in the right headspace, as you said, you'll start writing and then all of a sudden it just comes and comes and comes and you're like, okay, right, right. Keep going. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it really yeah, does put you in a spot. That's, yes. that's so true. Yes. Now, yeah. um, conversely, Shannon, why do you think it is that, um, you know, the phrase misery loves company? Why is, why is it so easy to go there for, for us as a whole? Um, you, you could have a, a list a mile long of things that annoy you or piss you off. What What is that about? And isn't it so much easier probably to write that list? Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I'm going to, I'm going to default a little bit and go to evolution. I think just as creatures from our evolutionary history, and this has nothing to do with God or religion that they, these can play together very nicely. But my point is, is as human beings, no matter what you believe at some point, um, we lived in a in a space that, that things were more dangerous for us. And we were constantly looking for things that could hurt us. Um, almost like our horses, if I'm being honest. I feel like we were more in that headspace of just constantly looking like, oh, can that kill me? Can that eat me? Where am I going to find my next meal? How am I going to feed myself? How am I going to feed my family? How am I going to stay alive? They may not verbalize it that way, but that's how human species started at some point-ish um, is it was a constant survival. We were in constant survival until, you know, things just got different and we continued to develop and, and grow and, and all those wonderful things. But I don't think ever the, the basis of our brain cells, I think still stays there to a certain degree. And so we very much gravitate to, towards what can quote unquote kill us or hurt us right. or um, what's not safe. Just, just even just to know about it and then we share it and then we talk about it and then it grows bigger. And that's just, I, I just really feel like it's almost an evolutionary thing that, that is part of our DNA. Yeah. I have yeah. to believe that to a certain degree because it is so easy to default to that. It's so easy to complain. It's so easy to gossip. It's so easy to criticize. It's so easy to find things that are wrong. Um, and, and it's so easy to stay in that headspace. It really is. And so that to me, because it's, it's not just a, 50% human thing. Or, like it's literally almost a hundred percent of humans can easily default to that space that it's a genetic thing. It's like a DNA thing. That's a part of our coding of, of, you know, 
of, survival. of, of being this human mammal. Mm-hmm. And so that would be my answer is what yeah, I think. It makes sense. It makes total sense. So it's a, it's a conscious effort to reframe and retrain your brain to find absolutely those little lights and to absolutely not. And I think it gets easier. I think, um, I think it gets easier. The mm-hmm. more you, you do a concert, uh, uh, conscious effort and, and you creating neural pathways in your brain that maybe can be a tiny bit stronger than some of that DNA coding. Um, I think it does get easier, not easy, but easier. Um, and so, you know, and I think, I think like anything, there's seasons of life where things are just easier in general. Right. right. And then there's seasons of life where it's like, you just got to buckle down. This is just a tough season, newborns, deaths in the family, COVID, you know, whatever, like this is a buckle down season. We've just, that we are kind of in survival mode during certain seasons of our life, but you have to be able to then once you maybe recognize that you're out of that season, you have to go then and process a lot of that and sit with it and, and give yourself some grace and some love, lots and lots of love. And I think we forget that step. We just keep on going right past yeah. survival into the next season. Mm-hmm. Yep. Repress, repress, yep. repress. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. And so the other area I really want to talk about, which is kind of where I think the name of your book came from, but abundance and the relationship to surrendering. So talk about that a little bit, and then also kind of fill us in a little bit on your spiritual belief system and how you got there. Yeah. Um, Ah, man, I think the more we try to control things, the, the, the worse it becomes to a certain degree. You know, what I, we, we, part of that DNA thing, we really, really feel like as humans, we have to control everything and we try to. And I think the more we do, the more resistance we run into because it's impossible. I mean, it really is. I can't control how this podcast is going to go. No, you could send me every question. You could even send me the answers you want me to say. And I still couldn't control how this podcast is going to go. Sure. Right. right. And, and you can't control our significant others. We can't, we barely control our bodies. Okay. I mean, yeah. there's times yeah. where you're going to have to go to the bathroom, but you, shit's just going to go South. So there's very little that we literally, actually, anyway. <laughs> literally, there's very little that we can actually control. And I feel like the more we surrender that control and the more we allow um, conscious allowing, which by the way means I'm still going to strive for things. I'm still going to have goals, but I'm also going to allow it to play out the way the universe is, is paving the way for me, the way it's, it's, I'm going with um, the ease rather than resistance. So I feel like the more we surrender and the more we allow um, conscious allowing, the better it will turn out for us. And the way less pissed off we'll be. I mean, come on, let's be honest. I mean, the reason why we're pissed most of the time is because something didn't meet our expectation. Something within our control didn't go the way we wanted it to go. So the more you surrender, the more you allow, believe it or not, the more you'll receive. And so, cause you'll be in that space to receive it. You'll be able to recognize it. You'll, you just are in that space to receive it. As far as my own personal beliefs, you know, I, I'm a practicing ish Christian, um, but I think I'm more along the lines of just spiritual love is my religion. Um, I absolutely believe in Jesus. There's a lot of uh, beautiful history in the Bible. Um, but I'm also super, super conscious of everybody else's beliefs. And I love that about every belief system that's out there. And not that that's unique or special, but I genuinely, um, think that there's some appreciation in all belief systems, um, and I also believe that we carry Jesus, God, your one, whatever. I believe we carry a piece of that within us. Um, and, and I think that's what allows me that whole surrender and, 
and belief in abundance and belief in universal, you know, just allowing, um, because I think that I carry a piece of God in me, uh, a piece of our creator in me, and you do too. And we all do, um, into a certain degree. Um, but probably this is super cheesy, but probably my religion is just love. Um, and that doesn't mean that I, I'm going to like allow people to be assholes and be mean to me because there still are assholes out there, but I'm just going to love them from a distance. Um, and so that's probably my universal belief is just in love. I'm not perfect at it at all, but that is what I strive to, to do is to make my decisions and, and hopefully judgments through a love lens versus any particular religious lens. Yeah. Was it hard for you to get there? with the way that you grew up? Did you grow up with any sort of religion or it, belief system? No. So I didn't, I had zero, zero. Okay. I think yeah. um, maybe once I was taken to church on an Easter, maybe I feel like I remember something like that. Um, that but sounds about no, like mine. I, so I get it. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't grow up with any, but I mean, I, um, so knowing my story the way you do, I had like one parent on one side of the country and one parent on the other side of the country. And one of my parents did, like my one of my biological parents does did have a foundation in, in um uh Catholic, I cannot say that word, the Catholicism. Very that word. Um, and so th- I had some introduction to some certain things. And then throughout my educational course, I took like um world religion and learned about all these different things. And so I feel like I I love the history and the richness of it, and I believe so much in each of them. Um that I feel like it's just like one big spiritual bubble. Now, my husband would be like, uh, no, 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 we're practicing Christians over here. And, and, and there is some truth to that. We definitely, we definitely pray. Um, you know, there's, there's certain aspects of probably the, if I had to put a label on it, Christian, Christian religion that we, um, practice, but there's not, there's not any, I just wouldn't put a set label for me because I just know that more often than not, I'm going with my love lens and a spiritual love, um, and, and just a openness to whatever comes my way. Um, I would never believe that it's, this is the part probably that it goes against, um, or maybe my husband and I don't see eye to eye and we're both okay with it is I don't think that you're going to go to hell just because you believe differently than me or vice versa. And so I think that's the biggest difference. Other than that, I'm fairly aligned with all the other goodies of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know, I, I feel like what most practicing yogis are very open to, they may have their set core, but they're open to all. Cause you, I think you kind of yeah. have to be to take in, to take in whatever is sent to you. You've got to be open to everything. Uh, I feel. Yeah, I do think you, you can be, um, I, that's probably the different thing with yoga that, that it totally depends on the person who's practicing it because yoga itself is tied to Buddhism and a couple other things. And, sure. and, and, I think today's um, teaching is that yoga just expands whatever you already believe. And so I didn't really have a belief system. So it really just expanded me to have an opening to tons of different belief systems and to incorporate them into one beautiful bubble that I love. Um, But I still love, like, I love going to church. I've gone to Methodist churches. I've gone to non-denominational churches. I've gone to Catholic churches. I've gone, and I love it. I love the, the beauty of it. I love the, the, the lessons that I, I just take the best and I leave the rest. Of all of it. Yep. Yep. I think a lot of us end up the way I know Bonnie and I kind of feel the same way. We come at it from different perspectives, but in the end, it's all, in the end, it's all about kindness. As you say, love, it's all Mm -hmm. the same, really. We all come from the same place. And we we always talk about how it's interesting to uh, recognize where people come from and then how they got there. 
and how it ties to their life and to their business. And so that's why I wanted to, we brought that up, but yeah. Well, good. So, so again, we've got the retreat ranch we talked about. We've got the book that we talked about. Anything else that you want to tell us about and maybe leave us with some like big nuggets that you want to share with our Gen X women just to help live their best lives? Oh my goodness. Way too much pressure. I (laughs) really feel like the main thing is self-compassion. Um, lots of grace, you know, that we're going through some weird shit in the world. Um, and, and us, especially our generation and women in general, um, it's just weird, right? There's some weird stuff happening and weird messages being thrown to us. Some of it great, some of it not so great, very confusing, especially based upon the way we were taught and we were raised. And I think you just, you just give yourself grace for whatever you're feeling or thinking, and take things bite-sized. There's not a one-all be-all. That's the other thing I think probably more than anything is my way is not your way. It doesn't have to be and vice versa. Um, There's different things that work for different people, but at the end of it all, just give yourself some compassion and some grace as you grow through whatever you're growing through at this time. Um, That would probably be my biggest thing because I think a lot of times we put so much pressure on ourselves to be a certain way and look a certain way and feel a certain way and do certain things and son of a bitch, this life is way too short to do all that. Like just bite size, compassion, grace, bite size. Um, that's find that's the joy, good. right? Yeah. Find your <laughs> joy. Little, little bite size joys, find it. Yep. And, and just try to enjoy this one tiny little short ass life. <laughs> yeah. I love yeah. it. So. Yeah. Well, it's been very inspirational talking to you. Um, anytime you want to be a guest on our show, I would, We, I know Ramey would too. We just love it. You, I love your energy um, and your message. It's, it's perfect. Thank you. Well, thank you. I so enjoyed being with y'all. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you. And one last quick question for you, as we ask everyone on their way out, any books or podcasts that you would recommend to our guests or to our listeners? Sorry. <laughs> Yes. Well, so I'm a weird book reader. I'm like a bestseller junkie and I do self, I'm always reading minimum minimum of two books. It's I'm always reading some sort of growth self-help book. And then also just a fun, shut it off book. Me too. Fun, shut it off book. I go (laughs) from a bestseller to a raging romance. And I'm not talking about the, the gentle kind. Yes. (laughs) And so uh, I, I have a couple of recommendations just that I feel are great life books. One of them is The Five Agreements. It's one of my favorite books. Um, I read that one absolutely every year. The other one I read every year is um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's an old, old book, but it's such a great book on communication. I just love, love that book. Um, but as far as anything else, um, I'm a World War II junkie, and I'm also... Um, a romance junkie. But right now I'm reading uh, The Golden Couple, actually just just finishing it. Super, super amazing. That's a fun book. Totally fun okay. book. Um, and it's very, very good. And I have to go in. Oh, and I'm rereading Think and Grow Rich right now, which is okay. also another yeah. great just self-help book. Um, so those are kind of what's on my plate right now. I'm surprised I'm not listening to a romance book. I go through seasons, but um, yeah, I'm a super big book junkie. Um, my library, I, I probably go through a book a day. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Sometimes, sometimes every two days, but keep in mind, I'm listening to a book as I'm walking around the ranch and doing so you're listening work. versus oh. actually reading. Okay. Yeah. 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 But that works. That <laughs> works. Most of mine are audible. Yeah. And the five agreements is a good one. I've read that one. Yeah. Uh, I have it. not read the how to win friends yet. I need to read that one. Cause I've heard really good things about it. Super yummy. 
Right. Well, awesome. Thanks again for being here with us, Shannon. And we'll talk to you again, hopefully soon. That sounds awesome. Thanks, ladies. Thank you, Shannon. Bye, guys. Bye. Okay, guests, we will see you next week. Everyone have a fabulous week. Join us every Thursday for more conversations on life, work, and love. And when you're ready to find your own voice and your own path towards a well-lived life, we'd love to be your coaches. Reach out to us through our websites. You'll find me, Ramey, at renovatedrealities.com. And you'll find me, Bonnie, at bonnieblackstone.com. Thanks for hanging out with us. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to review, rate, and follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.